Elon Musk bought Twitter, making a lot of people really upset. The Durham investigation points to the Clinton campaign for spreading misinformation. Parents in California are upset about the equity their local principal wants. And the dumbest story I've read in the New York Post, and it is a doozy, and a whole lot more on today's edition of the Random Thoughts Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 185 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That is R-A-N-D-U-M-B, thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. And remember when I told you Elon Musk was rejecting the board seat on Twitter because it would only allow him to own 15% of the company? And it was pretty obvious at that point. It didn't take a genius to figure out. Elon wanted to own more than 15% of Twitter. And unless you've been hiding under a rock over the last few days, you know, it appears that Elon has acquired Twitter. Of course, now there's regulatory things and hurdles that have to be gone through or over or around or however you go through hurdles. But barring something completely out of left field, Elon Musk will soon own Twitter. This has caused a lot of strife for people that work for Twitter. This has caused a lot of people to give their opinion on this, including me. But some are happier than others, we can say, about the acquisition of Elon Musk taking over Twitter. Project Veritas brought us audio of what actually happened when the board got together to talk about this. According to an article on conservativebrief.com, Twitter board member Brett Taylor reportedly started the meeting by recognizing the emotional shock that he and others at the company were experiencing following Musk's acquisition. Quote, I also just want to acknowledge all of the emotions of today. It is an emotional day and I want to acknowledge it by law. We are required to act in the best interests of our shareholders, end quote. Now, this makes sense because the board has a fiduciary responsibility to those shareholders. And when Elon Musk came in with an offer they couldn't refuse, I mean, they wanted to. They didn't want Elon to take the company over, but that was the best thing for the shareholders. Now, the chief marketing officer, Leslie Burland in the meeting says, quote, Elon made it clear in public that a large part of the reason he bought the platform was because of our moderation policies and disagreements in how we deal with health. This puts Twitter service and trust and safety, as well as anybody who cares about health on the platform in a very difficult position, end quote. Now, When Elon talked about the moderation policy, and we'll get into a little bit of that, a lot of that was because of the fact that Twitter was silencing voices, often of major news organizations, to squelch stories that they didn't like. And that, to Elon, was a problem, that 
they would go so far as to silence people like then president of the United States, Donald Trump. That is a step too far, it seems, when it comes to Elon Musk. Now, you may be wondering what Jack, good old Jack Dorsey, the guy that started Twitter, thinks of all this. And he tweeted, of course, I love Twitter. Twitter is the closest thing we have to a global consciousness. And I think that's an interesting way to put it. I don't know if I really believe that because I know there is so much garbage on Twitter. I know there are so many bots. I know there are so many people that are intentionally spreading misinformation, that are intentionally trying to cause problems, that are intentionally trying to cause strife. But I guess maybe that is our global consciousness. It gives you an interesting snapshot at what people are thinking if you know the people that you're following, if you know they're real, if you know them in real life, then maybe Twitter can give you that. If you're following people that you don't really know, that are just accounts that you think are interesting, that you don't even know are real people or what their background is, maybe who they're being paid by to spread whatever narrative that is to be spread. But Jack Dorsey went on with another tweet that said the idea and service is all that matters to me, and I will do whatever it takes to protect both. Twitter as a company has always been my sole issue and my biggest regret. It has been owned by Wall Street and the ad model. Taking it back from Wall Street is the correct first step. So he is not against the Elon Musk takeover. And it's interesting to me that Jack pulled the eject switch got himself out of Twitter not that long ago. Did he know something was coming? Maybe. I don't know. They're billionaires. I mean, the billionaires stick together, right? Does anybody know if Jack and Elon Golf get together, go into space together? Who knows? Who knows what they do? But it seems it's an interesting thing to me that Jack Dorsey is not against this. I think, and I believe I have talked about this before on this program, that I think Twitter kind of got away from Jack and as crazy and as goofy as Jack is. I think he had some pretty decent ideas coming into Twitter and then everything just kind of got out of control because with all of these social media platforms, the main thing is when it comes down to it, making money, which is why Twitter had to be sold to Elon Musk because the shareholders would demand it. And the point of Twitter was to make money, which means that they had to abide by what the advertisers wanted because Twitter is not making money from the people that use the service. I mean, they've tried a few different things here and there where they would charge people directly, but overall, a vast majority of people are using Twitter for free. They're not paying Twitter anything directly. So where Twitter is making their money is in the advertising space. And we know the advertising space is absolutely a cesspool. And it has been weaponized. We saw this years ago with Rush Limbaugh. And it has continued on down the line where if somebody disagreed with what a pundit was saying, what they did was they boycotted their sponsors. So somebody would dare 
to put their money behind the Rush Limbaugh program or the Glenn Beck program or the Bill O'Reilly program. Well, they were now targets. And it turns out advertisers don't like being targets. They don't want the hassle. So they'll just back out and bring their money elsewhere. So Twitter, much like those programs, if you have conservative voices on Twitter saying things that the left doesn't like, well, then they're going to go after the sponsors, shut them down, which probably is the best explanation on how Twitter got to the point that it is now shadow banning people, flat out banning the president of the United States and on down the line. It makes sense. Now, Elon Musk allegedly wants to pull this back. I don't think Elon Musk is doing this just for funsies, although maybe he is. You and I, if we are walking through a store, you know, we may pull a uh, bag of Cheetos or a bag of M&Ms and be like, hey, impulse purchase. Elon maybe is just like, oh, Twitter, let me just grab that. I haven't tried owning this yet. Who knows? Elon's got the money to do that. But I don't believe Elon bought Twitter strictly on ideological lines. I believe he thinks there's money to be made. And that will be an interesting thing to watch. But the Democrats are freaking out all of a sudden. There's a lot of Democrats who are worried about how much power the social media companies have. You know, I remember Donald Trump being a little worried about that. And the Democrats were like, no, it's fine. Well, that was because all of the social media companies were going after conservatives. They were shadow banning the conservatives. They were banning the conservatives. They were deleting the posts by the conservatives. The conservative ideology was the one that was being squashed. And at that point, the Democrats were really, really happy with the social media landscape. Now that Elon Musk has bought the company, he hasn't even done anything. It's not like the keys were handed to him and he drove off with his new Twitter. No, this is going to take a little while. But already they're worried about what he might do, which just lets you know for all the things they have dismissed over the last few years when it came to conservative problems on Twitter, well, now you know they were lying. Now you know they were lying because all of a sudden it's dangerous for billionaires, those bad billionaires, to own companies that have an effect on the American way of life well, then you better go shut down every company out there. One of the most humorous things I saw was that, oh my goodness, Twitter in the hands of Elon Musk, not a public company. Oh my goodness, all of a sudden, this is a private company and Elon Musk is gonna have so much access to our data. Oh my gosh, did we even think about how much data Elon was going to have access to? These are the same people, again, that have no problem giving all of the same data and more to TikTok, which is more or less a Chinese government-owned company. I mean, that seems a little strange, right? That Elon's a threat, but the Chinese government isn't. This is, again, a good primer on the fact that social media apps have a lot of information about you. 
You've often given them, whether you know you have or not, the ability to collect things from you, like your location, where you are at any given point, your contacts, the messages you're sending. And that was the biggest thing. I'm wondering if the people that are the most concerned about this are the ones that use Twitter to communicate privately with other people through direct messages. If you don't use Twitter, the system works in such a way where you can post a message for the world to see that's fine. But you can also send a direct message, a private message that only the person you're messaging can see. So it's basically an email for all you boomers out there within the Twitter ecosystem. Now, Elon Musk, I believe, will now have access to all of that information. Because I don't think Twitter has ever said that your communications in a direct message are encrypted and they can't see it and all of that. I go back to running bulletin boards decades ago where people could do the same thing. They could send messages. And if you really wanted to, those were just held in a database, much like your messages on Twitter. Those messages are just in a database. And if the person that owns the database wants to see them, they certainly have the ability to do so. So there's probably a lot of people hoping there's no logs. There's a lot of people that are going to be deleting their Twitter account. There's going to be a lot of people that are going through and deleting a bunch of direct messages in the hopes that the evil Elon will not be able to see their darkest secrets and the things that they have said seemingly in private, but I'm not really sure there's any guarantee of privacy in a Twitter direct message. So, I mean, just to let you know, too, it's, you might want to be careful with all of these different platforms, thinking that they're private, thinking nobody else can see the information going between you and somebody else. Certainly not always the case. So maybe that's the data they're worried about Elon Musk having. It's certainly a lot of marketing data. There's no question about it. Maybe Elon has figured out a way to use Twitter and help his other companies thrive by using the data there. Because Twitter from day one has always been a hard service to figure out how to monetize because it's basically just little text messages. Well, now they've ruined it by adding photographs and videos and all of that. But there's a lot of data there. Ben Shapiro, the fast-talking conservative pundit, says Elon Musk needs to come in and he needs to fire everyone. I mean everyone. I agree with the sentiment. I agree that Elon needs to come in and clean house. It's really hard with a company the size of Twitter to just be like, everybody's fired. Well, then what do you do? Does, does somebody get the logins? Does somebody have access to the servers? Does somebody know what to do? Does somebody know how to maintain all of this? But Shapiro went on to say Twitter has hundreds, if not thousands of employees. Yeah, I'm guessing it's thousands, Mr. Shapiro. There's been studies done of donations, the political donations of the people working at Twitter. 98.7% of all donations from the people working at Twitter went to Democrats in the last election. This again, a quote from Ben Shapiro. I believe 
that is accurate. I also believe a lot of people at Twitter maybe didn't disclose which side of the aisle they're on, but it shows there's a bias at Twitter to one side of the political aisle. And the question is, what happens when Elon Musk takes the keys? A lot of people may walk off the job and figure they're going to screw him. I'm also guessing Elon Musk is smart enough to have a contingency for that to happen. But there's no question that the political ideology of the outspoken people anyway at Twitter goes really, really, really to the left. Now, Ben Shapiro also points out, quote, it doesn't matter what rules Elon Musk sets top down if the so-called Twitter deep state is still implementing its favorite policies. Because this is the thing. Donald Trump found this out when he was president. You can name the policy top down, but if everyone at the State Department hates your guts, they're going to undermine your policy, end quote. And that's a good point. If you don't trust the people working for you, how does Elon Musk know if somebody's being shadow banned? How does Elon Musk know what the rank and file are doing when it comes to implementing what he says he wants? Some of it you can see, like, if Elon Musk says, bring Donald Trump back, and they don't, well, then you can see that. But you don't really know the minutia of what's going on. So there is going to have to be a house cleaning policy. And Elon Musk, I'm sure, is smart enough to figure out how to do that to make sure that his employees are doing what he wants them to do and not working against them. But this is one of the problems we have in everything now is it doesn't matter what the laws are if you have rogue DAs who won't enforce them. It doesn't matter what the CEO of a company says they want the company to do if a majority of the employees just can be like, nah, we're going to do something else. Don't worry about that. But there was a podcaster that tweeted, I know, big surprise, podcasters tweeting. His name is Sagar and Jetty, which I'm sure I am butchering. But he says the uh, Vijaja Gade, which again, what are with these names? You're killing me. The top censorship advocate at Twitter who famously gaslit the world on Joe Rogan's podcast and censored the Hunter Biden laptop story is very upset about the Elon Musk takeover to which Elon Musk himself responded in a tweet, quote, suspending the Twitter account of a major news organization for publishing a truthful story was obviously incredibly inappropriate, end quote. Now, those are the kind of words that are very, very scary to those on the left. Very scary. When somebody in charge says, wait, wait, that's a, uh, a credible news source posting a truthful story. Don't delete that. <laughs> that's scaring the left. I think that tells you everything you need to know about what's going on with the left's playbook. The left is not the one about truth. I've said all along, anybody, when you look at things, arguments going on, whatever they may be over, the voice shouting loudest to take away the rights for somebody else to speak, they're usually the ones you want to be looking at. 
because a democracy, and I know the United States is not a democracy, it is a democratic republic, but in a democracy, you want to hear everybody's voice. You want the debate to happen. You want people to be able to get up on their soapbox in the Times Square or wherever it is and say whatever they want to say. That is part of having a free society. People can speak their mind. They can say whatever crazy stuff they want to say. And you get the same right. You don't get to silence somebody else because you don't like what they say. You don't get to silence somebody else because you don't believe what they say. But you have the right to stand up and say what you believe is true. And that is how a democracy works. That is how a polite society works. You do not silence anybody. But if somebody gets out there and starts spewing hateful Nazi rhetoric, then you stand up and say, well, no, you're a douchebag because of this. And you make your case. And that's, we all go on from there. That's how it's supposed to work. So when the left is really scared because Elon Musk is mad that they suspended a major news organization for publishing a truthful story, that tells me a lot about the current state of the left they want to squash the stories because when the truth comes out they often look like they're the criminals as is the case with the durham report the durham report is still being worked on believe it or not the latest news says that fusion gps which is the lawyers for the hillary clinton campaign Fusion GPS employees sent hundreds of emails with unverified information on Donald Trump to reporters. A story from the Washington Times says, quote, in a court motion filed late Monday, Mr. Durham said the slew of emails undercuts the assertion of Clinton campaign officials that Fusion GPS's research for them should be protected under attorney client privilege end quote, which is a good thing. What they're saying is uh, when it comes to illegal activities, you can't just let your lawyers do it and then go attorney lawyer privilege. You can't say illegally go spread misinformation, this being the Clinton campaign, and the lawyers go and do that, and then you can't go, well, they're my lawyers, so it's privilege. No, that's not how it works. The Fusion GPS emails that were peddled to these news outlets as exposed by this Durham report, led to stories including a Wall Street Journal article about a Trump advisor meeting with a former KGB official close to Russian President Vladimir Putin, you know, Putin, 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 a Washington Post story about a Trump campaign advisor investing in Russia, a New York Times and Reuters article about the FBI investigating a secret communication setup between Donald Trump and Russia's Alpha Bank, and on and on and on. There were a ton of stories, and you can still go back and find a lot of them before they start, you know, shadow banning those stories and deleting those stories and selectively editing those stories. But anybody that was around at the time remembers that these were the headlines. This is the 24 7 news cycle. This was what MSNBC, this was what CNN, this was what the Washington Post, this is what the New York Times, this is what they were reporting day in 
and day out. The reality we're finding is none of it was true, and all of it seems to have been funded by the Hillary Clinton campaign through Fusion GPS. And what you got was an election that, you know, it wasn't the Russians trying to collude. It was the Clinton campaign pulling out every dirty trick that they could in order to try to defeat Donald Trump, which they did not. But you have to ask yourself, jump forward four years and ask yourself if you really believe that none of this was going on. We've exposed a lot of it with the millions of dollars that Zuckerberg put in that were spent in key areas. We've heard stories since the election about questionable activities in a lot of these same areas. And the reality seems to be that the left was going through a lot of effort and doing a lot of subversive things to try to push their narrative. Will the Durham investigation really result in anything? I don't know. I don't really expect the government to do much. I guess a lot of it is depending on who's in charge when this thing comes through, when it comes to fruition, when the final findings are done. I'm guessing some of the lawyers at Fusion maybe will get a slap on the wrist. The mainstream media probably is not going to cover this story because it makes them look bad because they were suckers. And they bought into a lot of this misinformation that they were fed, but they were more than willing to do so. Whether they knew it was misinformation or not, they were in the everything must be brought to light about Donald Trump, whether it's true or not. Anything they could bring to light about Donald Trump, whether it was true to not to try to keep him from winning another election. And that is what was done. So we'll watch for what the Durham report finally comes out with but so far the information has shown us exactly what we expected it to find there was a lot of dirty politics going on and it originated with the hillary clinton campaign all right let's talk about equity for a minute we've talked about equity a lot in the past because equity and equality are not the same thing I believe that everybody has the right to pursue happiness. I believe that everybody has the right to be treated equally. Equity is not treating everybody equally. That's the problem with equity is that you are forcing an outcome for a situation or an individual, regardless of what they do, regardless if they put the work into it, regardless of anything. And you're seeing this now in a story out of California, which, to be fair, once this was brought to light, things were immediately put on hold, which is why the media is important, which is why things like Twitter are important in order for parents or students to be able to get word out about stuff like this. You know, if they're not shadow banned, if their posts aren't deleted by the Twitter police because they don't like what they say. But this was a case of a California high school where the principal, a woman named Michelle Irwin, decided that having honors classes was just not equitable. Having honors classes was doing a disservice to the dumb kids. 
I mean, she didn't say that exactly, but that's what it meant. The document that was attached to an email said, quote, as a faculty, we ground ourselves daily in our vision that every student will graduate with integrity, purpose, and options. As a district, we embrace and promote inclusive learning environments. I can assure you, we are creating an inclusive, welcoming environment at Henry where all students will grow and thrive in all the courses we offer and be prepared for the day after high school, in college, or career. I mean, that all sounds really great until you get to the part about cutting out the advanced classes because of the racial disparity between the advanced and non-advanced classes. Principal Irwin said the district is trying to get away from classifying courses and to remove the stigma associated with non-honors classes. So again, they're the dumb, dumb dummies. The kids that aren't in the honors classes now have to feel bad because they're not in the honors classes. So the answer to this is to take away the honors classes because we can't have kids in honors classes making those dumb, dumb dummies feel bad that they're not in the honors classes. This is the problem with the way the left looks at things. Their version of equity brings everybody down. Their version of equity does not raise people up. It does not educate children. It's taking education away to make things fair. It's absolutely insanity. These people are more concerned about talking about LGBTQ and trans and sex of all types with kindergartners than they are in actually educating your children. Like Elon Musk, it's getting close to a time where we need to just fire all the teachers and decide on a better way to decide who educates our children. As I said, however, I give these parents in California a whole lot of credit because immediately upon hearing this news, they stood up and said, hey, wait a minute. We don't want this. We want our children to have all of the resources that they can. And children that just happen to have a either a better work ethic or are just out of the box smarter than somebody else, they should be allowed to work up to their potential. Not everybody has the same potential. Not everybody has the same skill sets. Now, some skill sets are more lucrative than others. If you're Elon Musk and you can figure out how to shoot a rocket into space, you're going to make a lot more money than somebody who can't even compute two plus two. It's just the way it is. But equity is not a good thing when you are bringing everybody else down saying, hey, wait a minute, we all can only do things that the lowest of the low of our species can do. No. You try to help the people that can't do the stuff. You try to raise them up. You try to help them improve. But you do not go after the people that have the ability and take that away from them because you want to make people feel better. You have to get rid of the honors classes because you don't want the kids not in the honors classes to feel boo-hoo. I'm sad. Give me a break. It's absolute insanity. And again. Way to go, parents, for standing up. The school immediately went, wait, 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 okay. We'll think twice about this. 
But we'll see what this principal, Michelle Irwin, does. And uh, if we get bad news on this, we'll certainly let you know. But now a story, and this should be a new segment. I was watching some videos from a guy on YouTube, Romanian TV. He is very entertaining. And he was talking about journalism, and he was referring to it as journalismering or journalisming or something. He was, it was just a funny way for him to put it, to put down the journalist for the lack of their journalistic integrity, for the lack of their journalistic abilities. I mean, I think equity might have something to do with this. Because there was a story in the New York Post headline, family loses over $6,000 in scary hotel room service scam. It isn't that uncommon. Ooh. So, of course, I wanted to read this. I wanted to find out what was going on. The author of this story is somebody named Asia Grace. Now, let me read this to you because I think that's the only way you could really enjoy this. Quote, beware of this not-so-sweet, S-U-I-T-E, room service scam. While the running joke about wildly overpriced food and snacks at fancy hotels still stands, one unsuspecting family lost over $6,000 when they ordered some eats to their room while lodging at a well-known inn. You need to be careful about this dangerous food service scam in hotels, warned TikToker Ali Coca to his 1.8 million followers. Okay, see, this is also the problem now. Journalism ring. When people go to a TikTok video and then make it into a story. Stop it! TikTok videos are f- stupid! TikTok videos are moronic! TikTok videos are there to only get other dumb dummies to watch it. The dumb, dumb dummies that couldn't make it into the honors classes. And now they're taking this, Asia Grace, and making it into a news story at the New York Post, which is not the worst newspaper out there, made into a story. You're quoting a TikToker who says, this family was staying in a hotel and they decided to order room service using the father's debit card. Let's also point out the fact that Nobody says who these people are. Let's also point out the fact they don't say what hotel this was. Let's also point out the fact they do not say where this hotel was. Continuing the story from Asia Grace, quote, in the clip, which has racked up a staggering 1.9 million views. Well, I mean, that's staggering for the New York Post, I guess. Coca from Toronto shares an unnamed family's cautionary tale in front of a green screen image of a Holiday Inn Express. However, the location of the incident, as well as a specific franchise, has not been made public. So why are you talking about the Holiday Inn Express in your article, Asia Grace? Isn't that kind of disparaging the Holiday Inn Express people? I don't understand what your journalisming is. I don't understand what you're doing. You're watching TikTok videos. You're a journalist. Go do some investigative reporting. Quote, Coca then explains that after calling the phone number on what they believe to be the hotel's room service line, the family placed their food order and provided the dad's credit card information to the presumed staffer on the phone. They waited over an hour and a half and no food got delivered, Coca narrated. So the father called the front desk to ask where his order was. But they told him they never got an order for his room. Ha! Panicked, 
the man logged into his online banking platform to find that more than $6,000 of his money had just been withdrawn in the last hour and a half, claimed the viral vigilante. There is so much wrong with this story. There is so much wrong with this story, Asia Grace of the New York Post, who does not have a journalism degree, I don't think, or does not know how to check the validity of stories. They say credit card information. Now, a credit card is different than a debit card, but let's just presume that you're a dumb, dumb dummy who couldn't get in to the honors program and doesn't understand what the difference between a credit and a debit card is. Because when the reality comes down to it, they work in a similar way in a lot of areas. Now, I don't understand, one, who believes that there's some menu slid under your door in a hotel, which leads me to believe not really a five-star hotel. I mean, if I'm out at the Ritz-Carlton, if I'm out at the Hyatt, if I'm out anywhere but like a uh, Motel 14, I don't think people are sliding things under my door like order room service, totally legit. I don't think that ever happened, but maybe it does. Even if we pretend for a minute that this guy gave a debit card to somebody he didn't know, and then he logs into his bank, because that's really the first thing you do when you're like, why didn't I get my food? I mean, I don't know why you call the front desk first. The story would probably be you'd call room service first, like, hey, you getting my burger up here, whatever it is. But let's just assume that he logged into his banking account on his device and sees that $6,000 has been withdrawn. That's not saying that there were fraudulent charges made. It says withdrawn, which means that somebody was able to put a card into an ATM machine and get cash out. Now, most places, $6,000 is over your daily limit for the amount of cash you can pull out of an ATM because of things like if your card actually gets stolen. Let's forget about that for a minute and then try to figure out how somebody who just got your card number then turned this into a physical card and then also had your PIN number and was able to go take cash out of the ATM. Maybe Ms. Asia Grace, I'm assuming female, maybe you could have done a little bit of critical thinking before posting a story in the New York Post about what you have no idea what you're talking about, which you got sourced from some fool on TikTok. The article goes on, double quoting here. So I'm quoting the story, and then they're quoting the person from the TikTok video says, it turns out the room service menu they actually ordered from was slid under the door alongside a picture of the hotel's actual bill of fare. This scam isn't that uncommon, he continued. Scammers will slip a fake room service menu under your door, hoping you'll order from it. And once you give them your debit card information, they can log into your account and take out all the money they want. No, no, they can't. People cannot log into your account and take out all the money in it by just having your debit card number, you fool. That's not how it works. Moron. So TikToker dude, moron, but he's just trying to get people to watch who are dumb, dumb dummies who couldn't get into the honors program. And obviously Asia Grace, writer for the New York Post, is a big dumb dummy who didn't get into the honors program, who doesn't know that none of this makes actual sense. It is absolutely insane that this is what is getting published as news. And you wonder why the world 
is going down the crapper on a fast pace. Continuing, quote, and online onlookers agreed that this room service scam is bleeding unwary hotel stayers dry. Yes, this is so true. I worked at a front desk and it happens so often. Never order from those flyers. They're usually pizza flyers, one commenter urged. They should never ask for card info when you order for room service. It just comes when you order it, and it's added into the bill after, insisted another. And Coca offered up a word to the wise on how to avoid this sinister slice of hotel hell. Quote, the best way to combat this scam is to call the front desk before you order your food and ask them to confirm that the menu you're ordering from is the right one, he advised. And that's how this article ends. Oh, my God, Asia Grace. This is the biggest piece of crap that I've seen in a major newspaper website in a long, long time. So much of it's simply not true. The reality is almost all debit cards, at least here in the United States, are Visa or MasterCard, which means you are protected from fraud. When it comes to having your card stolen, so if somebody actually gets your card from you, you may be responsible for 50 bucks or unless, you know, there's a bunch of bills, a bunch of charges that you do not report for like 60 days, then you might be responsible. But the law is if somebody just puts a charge upon your card without having the physical card, you're responsible for zero Asia Grace, zero. Somebody didn't get soaked for $6,000. You can't just give somebody your ATM debit card number without having a physical card or at least without having the PIN number because some people, I understand, they have the ability to print a physical card, to take a physical card, reprogram the magnetic strip, I want to be clear, and then use that in your ATM. But in order for them to withdraw cash, they need your PIN number. Never in this stupid TikTok video, I guess, or in this article from Asia Grace, do they talk about somebody getting a PIN number? So one of the most worthless news stories that I have seen in a long, long time. So I decided I would waste your time by telling you about it and just pointing out the lack of credibility the newspapers have, the media in general has right now, because some of the people that are journalisming, as Romanian TV would say, they are not doing their job. If this woman, again, hopefully not misgendering, if she would have done any homework at all, you would have looked into Ms. Grace. Well, what are people really responsible for if there is a charge placed on their debit card that they didn't authorize? You would have also asked yourself the question of how did somebody withdraw $6,000 in cash or even $6 in cash without having the PIN number for the card. A lot of this. So many things. Oh, it's just absolutely insane. The New York Post should be ashamed for posting that to their website. And if it's in any print, they should feel more ashamed for that as well. But that is why you are listening to the Random Thoughts podcast because our journalisming is the best. We actually try to get to the truth. We actually try to get to the heart of the matter. We try to break things down 
in ways that are easy to understand and also entertaining. And I hope that I'm hitting that mark with you. And I appreciate you for listening to this podcast. I know there's a lot of things you could be listening to right now. And if you like what you're hearing, tell a friend about the show. And if you really like what you're hearing, we do work on the value for value model, which means we put these shows out there. They're not behind a paywall. If you have gotten any value out of the show whatsoever, it's up to you to go to our website, randomthoughts.com, R-A-N-D-U-M-B, thoughts.com, backslash donate. Click the donate button. Use one of the QR codes for the crypto thing. Use the snail mail address. Or if you're listening to a podcasting 2.0 application, you can boost anytime during the show. Go to newpodcastapps.com if you want to find out more about that. But we do have one person to thank for today's show, and that is Sir Sean of the Allegheny Valley coming in once again with his $15 monthly donation. That is very much appreciated, Sir Sean. Thank you for your support. And again, thank you to everybody for listening to this show. If you want to reach out to me, you can do so at Darren O'Neill, D-A-R-R-E-N-O-N-E-I-L-L on Twitter. Yeah, I guess I should check that more now that uh, Elon's over there. There was another article that said, all of a sudden, conservatives are picking up a ton of new followers on Twitter. And they're like, oh, boy, are they lifting all the shadow bans? Ooh, I don't believe that's the case. I don't believe that is uh, what's going on. I think there's just a lot more people all of a sudden who had deactivated their Twitter accounts or hadn't been paying attention to their Twitter accounts. They're back and following people because they believe that Twitter is going back to being a free speech zone and we'll find out if it is or if it's not. But you can follow me there. You can follow me on Mastodon on the Fediverse at Darren O'Neill at noagendasocial.com. You can reach out to me via email, Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N at random thoughts, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com. Anyway, you want to do it is fine with me. I look forward to hearing from you. I will be back next Wednesday with another edition of the Random Thoughts Podcast. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening. 